Welcome to Sunny in Seattle with your host, Sunny Joy. And coming up on today's show, Sunny welcomes Kyle R. Williams and Kamal Carter, the founders of A Long Talk, which is an anti-racism activation experience with the mission of energizing, activating, and empowering allies in the pursuit of erasing racism. So join them for some inspiration and motivation toward individual and cooperative activism. And now I welcome your host for the day, Sunny Joy. And good morning, everyone. Welcome to Sunny in Seattle. I'm your host, Sunny Joy McMillan, and we're here every Friday from 9 to 10 a.m. on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. KKNW in Seattle, as well as 103.3 KPCA in Petaluma, bringing you amazing guests and resources that will help you create a life filled with peace, joy, freedom, and purpose. It is radio that positively shines. And if you can't catch the show live, you can always access those show archives at 1150kknw.com, as well as iTunes and Podcast One. Uh, And my website for housekeeping is goldenoversoul.com. That is goldenoversoul.com. Um, Benny, I'm going to jump in real quick and ask you, how is my connection? I'm I'm connecting from a new place today, and it keeps telling me my line is unstable. Uh, well, I mean, it's all right, but... On the road again. That's why! Woo! Just can't wait to get on the road again. Uh, I had Thanks, to. Benny. I always got to. the music queued up, and I just, I have to apologize <laughs> to my fantastic guests today, Kyle and Kamal, because today is the first time that I am connecting. We have just put all of our things in storage as of yesterday. Today is our first day in our Airstream where we will be traveling and living for the next six to months to a year as we make our way around the country. So excited. So excited, <laughs> right? Incredible. Yeah, well, what this means, though, just so everybody knows, and Benny, please jump in. I'm going to be on. I'll keep the chat open. Um, we're at the KOA in Petaluma, just kind of getting our, our uh, road legs warmed up. We haven't been in the Airstream for a really long time. Um, and so I am I'm connecting via the campsite internet, which is not my normal strong home line. So anyway, this is going to be an experiment. We're just going to take it as we go. <laughs> I think it's great living on the edge. Yeah, exactly. Well, totally. <laughs> I don't really like to live on the edge when it comes to important interviews with people that I really want to talk to. <laughs> well, neither do I coming from the studio's perspective, but it's all good. <laughs> Well, we're going to do the best we can. And Benny, again, just jump in. And if I need to connect by phone today, I will. Sure. And hopefully it will not disrupt the flow because there's so much I want to talk about today on, t- on today's show and, and present, um, you know, Kyle and Kamal and this incredible work that they are doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So speaking of which, um, well, Benny, I'll just say, how are things up there with you? Thanks for being so flexible today. Oh, great. Perfectly. Uh, it's a beautiful day here in uh, sunny Seattle. I mean, so it's Ooh. perfect. And uh, I'm not on the road yet. I soon might be. I don't know. You never know, but um, really, no, I'm just like, joking with you. I got nothing oh, compared like, to what oh your gosh, story Benny, is all about. What? No, I got nothing compared to your story. Uh-uh. Okay. <laughs> I live vicariously through you. <laughs> well, we will have a lot to catch up on on first Friday next week when Dr. Alessandra joins us, but we can, we'll do more updates then, but I'm glad to hear things are, they're sunny in California and yep. sunny in Seattle. So uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, thanks, Benny, for keeping everything running smoothly. Um, and so I will go ahead. I'm going to usually when I do intros for guests, you know, sometimes we kind of whittle things down to make it more, you know, radio friendly. But I have to say, I Kyle and Kamal, I really loved your bios that you have on the long a long talk website. So if it's okay with everybody, I'm going to read the full bio so everybody gets a full picture of who you are. I'm with me. Thank okay. you. Okay. 
<laughs> okay, awesome. So Kyle Williams is a leader, whether leading his three sons into manhood, leading a community-based elementary school in Washington, D.C., leading the number one youth basketball program in the country, or leading the incredible team at Decide to Inspire. He has always been a leader. Raised in Plainfield, New Jersey, the son of Artie B and Jocelyn, Kyle is a child of hip hop and a servant of the community. As a professional educator, Kyle has amassed over 25 years teaching children and adults alike, highlighted by his time at the Community Academy Public Charter School, where in 1998, he applied and interviewed to serve as a volunteer and was coerced into accepting a provisional teaching position instead. After six short years of service in the classroom and on the school's leadership team, he would be appointed as the school's third academy leader in 2004. Following his 17-year career at Community Academy Public Charter School, he began working with Discovery Education, helping teachers and school leaders all over the country make the shift to becoming more technology savvy, 21st century educators. Change and progress through educational empowerment has always been at the heart of the work he has done. He brings that same focus and energy to the fight for social justice and racial reconciliation as the Chief Empowerment Officer of Decide to Inspire, Inc., and the creator of A Long Talk About the Uncomfortable Truth, which we'll be talking about here today. And then our second guest today is Kamal Carter. He is a scientist, an activist, an educator, and a management consultant. Kamal brings more than 25 years of corporate development and growth strategy experience. He has held multiple global leadership positions at leading companies, but what he is most proud of is walking away from millions of dollars to serve as a high school chemistry teacher at an inner city school in Atlanta. For more than a decade, Mr. Carter has pioneered innovative strategies in education. He co-wrote a script for a PBS science show, which he also stars in. He has been a National Institute of Health Research Fellow and a member of the state of Georgia Superintendent's Teachers Advisory Council. Kamal graduated from Hampton University with a biology pre-med degree, and he turned down two full scholarships to medical school to pursue his passion in business, community development, and science education. Kamal Carter is chairman of the board of Step Ahead Scholars, Inc., a nonprofit he co-founded 10 years ago, whose mission is to eradicate college access inequality. And the website today um, to find out not only more about these two gentlemen, but also a long talk uh, is alongtalk.com. That is alongtalk.com. And you can find more uh, about the experience as well as the team members, including Kyle and Kamal there at that website. So <laughs> Kyle and Kamal, welcome to Sunny in Seattle. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We yes, appreciate being you. here. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Sure. Oh, absolutely. I'm I'm having now, um, you know, participated in long talk conversations. Um, I think, Kyle, that's actually your idea. Why don't you take one of these courses or take the experience and then you will be able to, you know, talk about this with actual experience under your belt, um, which I which I did do. It was at the beginning of March and it was a transformative experience. Um, and so uh, really excited to talk to you here today. And I will say um, our connection point was um, Dr. Latasha Levy. She's an assistant professor at the Baller. She's been on the show before and I consider her a friend and a colleague and uh, she connected me with Kyle and Kamal. Um, and so I just, it was, um, I think Kyle, when we got on the phone, we had an initial conversation uh, just to see if there were potentials for collaboration and of course having you on the show. Um, and you had made the the statement that, that 
um, getting out there and spreading this work, you all are like water. And that's actually, you know, how I came to know about this. And do you mind speaking a little bit about what you mean um, by the, the a long talk experience and, and you spreading the word is like water? Well, no, thank you for that. And I think um, I, I appreciate the, the opportunity to continue to spread that word. And, um, you know, we water, you know, water presses up against everything. But what it seeks, it seeks places where it's allowed in. It's gonna, you know, it'll stay right there at your door if your door is watertight. But as it goes through, it continues to move. It's gonna look for that crack where it can get in and continue to move. It doesn't become stagnant by nature. And so this conversation, it, it often gets stagnated, and you know, and what, and that, and that becomes the the block. Whether it becomes people not being able to have the tools to have it productively or people just not wanting to have the endurance to continue to push through it and do it. And so we just believe we go wherever the, wherever the crack opens, wherever the conversation is allowed and, and accepted and, and welcomed, um, we're going to be able, we're going to be there to continue to fill that gap. And so it's, it's been very, it's been very, um, and it's also a good flow. I think, you know, again, we're not worried about getting stuck at a space. We just flow to the next space. And so it helps us continue to stay encouraged and continue to move. And that's literally how we've been moving this conversation through the spaces that we're in right now. Yes, and a, a long talk, uh, it did, as I believe you said, it started as a conversation. And I think I went back and I, you were kind enough to record our initial Zoom conversation. And I did go back and I was like, oh, I'm so glad that was recorded because you said some really, really wonderful things. Um, one of which was that this is the conversation you know you need to have, but are afraid to have it. And so how did a long talk come about? Well, it, it literally started with a, a conversation about an uncomfortable truth. Um, you know, I, my, my, as my sons, I have three sons. And so my, my sons hired me for this job because they presented this, this, this problem to me in a space, in a, in a light that I hadn't seen it before because uh, it became personal for them in the sense that when we live in Washington, oh, DC. Oh, wait, yeah. wait, I have to do a timeout because you're not, you're not telling the whole story. It goes <laughs> all, I mean, we, we have to tell the whole story how we got there. I mean, they don't know. You're right. You're right. They don't know. I'm sorry, Kamal. You're right. <laughs> I met Kyle when I was this little kid on college campus. I, I went, we both went to Hampton University. And I was a socially awkward, really smart, brainiac kid. And Kyle saw me just kind of fumbling my way through the university and was like, here, let me help this guy out. We became lifelong friends. He gave me books to read, became a mentor. After college, Kyle went on. And, and like you said, he had three sons. I got married. I had daughters. And, and this conversation, Sonny, when I tell you, it was literally, you know how someone you, you you build a lifelong friendship with? For me, it was me picking up the phone, calling one of my, my really my best friend, like my big brother from college when George Floyd was murdered. And, and it, it was it, it was it was me being in Atlanta, Georgia and, and, and frustrated and, and not having seen George Floyd ever murdered. I, I still haven't been able to, to watch the video. I turn my head away every time it's on the screen. But I, I told Kyle, I said, I'm angry because here we go again. I, I refuse to have to go to work and pretend and put on a mask of happiness, just like with Mike Brown and Trayvon Martin and Eric Gardner. Anytime there's something that happens, I just have to pretend like it, it, it nothing happened. And like, where's the new spreadsheet or send the email? And I told Kyle, I'm angry. Here we go again. My teenage daughter, she was going through it. My wife, I'm like, how, how do I have this conversation? So it was literally a black father calling another black father in pain, but also figuring out what's the next step and trying to get advice. And so that gives you the backdrop because I literally called Kyle and he shared with me what he was doing and the conversations with his son. And I'll toss it back to Kyle, but
But this goes back to years and years ago when I met Kyle on, on Hampton University's campus, which is a HBCU. And he was a big brother who looked out for me and we built a lifelong friendship. So Kyle wanted to just set, set that, you know, give the backstory to it because that is very important. Uh, I appreciate that. Come on, it does. You know, this is grounded. You know, it, it does not begin at George Floyd and, and begins, you know, it goes even further back, you know, to my parents and people that poured into me over the course of, you know, my life. So it's, it's you're, I thank you for that, Kamal, because you're, you're right. The, the story begins a long time before that. But as it, as it leads into this 2020, you know, year, you know, when George Floyd was murdered, my, my, my college age sons wanted to go to, to the protests. And so my ex-wife called me and she wanted me to, she, want, she didn't want them to go. She didn't want them to, to be a part of it with between COVID and rubber bullets. It wasn't a good mix for her. And um, she called me and I kind of said to her, well, you know what I'm going to say. And she said, just go with them. And then, so for me, it literally became protecting them to go experience this. And I was kind of on bodyguard duty. Like, and just, we went down to the protests. We stood right there at Lafayette Square in front of the White House for hours protesting this, 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 this continued injustice. And um, on the way home from, from that really, you know, dangerous day, exhausting day, exhilarating day, um, my son, um, Elijah, who, who plays basketball at Gettysburg College, he was, he was going back to his posts and he realized that some of his teammates or one of his teammates was, was posting Tucker Carlson underneath his posts of liberation and talking about uh, his experiences from the day, you know, and, and so he got angry. You know, and they, and they, he and he, he started to question. I think he maybe reached out to the kid, um, but they started to text, or and it became kind of confrontational in the text. And I said, well, maybe you all should call each other, and maybe you know we're you know let's let's go old school. And so they Facetimed each other, but that made it worse because then it became mm-hmm. you know two sides of this same argument that's been plaguing the country, digging in live time. And my son was not having it. He just wasn't in the mood. It wasn't the time. It wasn't the day. And they made it very clear that, that, you know, it was confrontational, you know, it was very confrontational and, and it was just the spirit of that day. And as we got back to my house and they, as it continued to kind of go, it went on for a long, for a while. Um, and so the energy in my house was you know, a very frustrating space. And I, I knew that the, uh, I knew they were going to get on a zoom call the next day. And so I reached out to the coach who was putting the call together, the coach of the school. And I said, you should probably talk to me before your call tomorrow. Because if my son's going to bring an energy that's not your agenda. It's not, you're not, you need to talk. I want to talk to you. And he texted me back and called me that night. And so right in that moment, he called me when my house was, was a lot. We were, we were going through a lot. And he asked me, you know, was it a good time to talk? And I said, technically, I'm looking at my son's arguing. I said, maybe this might end up like that. But I, I really wasn't in the mood. But I said, let's talk. And we had a talk. And the uncomfortable truth came out. And I shared some things with him that um, I knew he couldn't understand, but as a, as a, you know, as a guy who I trusted with my son to go to school with him and play for him, um, I liked him. He's a nice white guy. He, he was, but, but I didn't, you know, I didn't know what this conversation was going to do. So I, I shared some things with him that, that, that really kind of challenged what he believed. Cause I told him I never seen George Floyd be murdered. So he, he didn't understand where my, my agony was coming from my pain. And so I, I had to explain to him 400 years in 10 minutes. And I realized that was, that was impossible to do. And so when we actually got off the phone, he was kind of, he just listened. He did a great job listening. Coach Dunn, incredible. He just listened to let me, and let me vent. And then I sent him a video a, a day later and I asked him to watch it. And when he watched it, it was just 80 minutes of pure truth. And it's the history of race in America. And I, he watched it and he, and it changed 
his perspective on it. And I watched him turn into a, a guy who was in neutral, you know, around this issue to an active anti-racist. And it happened immediately because he understood some truth, you know? And so as I spread, as I, as I realized that work, he called me, he said, you know, we're going to be all black, everything when we travel, Kyle, we're going to do, like, I'm going to do whatever I can do. And he started working on things at his school when things changed at Gettysburg College because one man decided I'm going to make it a priority. And, and I saw a change happen and I felt better for my son because I felt like he was safer, that this man was at least going to be able to, you know, I was trying to protect my children. And so I reached out to the next coaches. I reached out to the University of Penn coaches where my other son plays basketball. And in doing that, Nat Graham um, watched the video and called me and we, we talked and he started writing articles in the medium. He dropped five or six articles. And so I saw these two white men get activated about a cause that I had been talking about since I was 10 years old, but I had never seen anyone really care. And I saw something happen. And I said, well, you know what? I feel good about when my sons are going to school because at least there's an anchor, someone that I can at least, you know, say gets it. And I said, well, I want everyone to feel like that. And so I had an opportunity to, to reach out to some people that I worked with um, previously, some volunteer work, and I reached out to Team Takeover Basketball. And I, they, I said to them, why don't we get all the coaches that recruit your kids to come sit on a call? And so we did just that. And we invited back in July of last year, or June of last year, we invited every coach that recruits our, those kids. And that was pretty much everybody in the country. You know, Luca Garza, shout out to the player of the year, is a take, team takeover kid. We have a lot of kids that are doing great things. And so everyone showed up. And so we talked to over 100 college coaches. ESPN was on a call. Um, we had four national champions on the call. We had everybody there. We had three days of a long talk about the uncomfortable truth. And I challenged them just like I challenged BJ to do something, to finally get it and go do something. And that's what happened. And things started to happen. And then they wanted to do something and do it back at their universities. And it's begun to spread from there. So it literally started with an uncomfortable conversation that, you know, a, you know, that a man took and said, let me do something productive from this. And he and I, from that conversation, have just gone and, and, and made things happen with the help of a lot of people. Over a thousand people have gone through a long talk at this point. So it's been it's, it's, it's been that genesis. But that and that's where we are, and including yourself as being one of those people going through it. So long story short. I was just about <laughs> yes, yes. I like <laughs> I'm so glad that you shared all of that background. And thank you, Kamal, for stepping in because that was one of my questions is how you all came to know each other and, and the work that you know you were doing before this and the work that you continue to do. Um so you referenced, I just want to um, share this with the listening audience. You referenced um, the video that you sent, uh, which was uh, History of Race in America. Um, that was Jeffrey Robinson, if my notes are correct. Um, this is a video that was um, pre-work before we began the three days of the experience. And I have to tell you, um, I can't believe I have not seen that video before. Um, Jeffrey Robinson is apparently a criminal defense attorney. He was speaking at a criminal defense attorney association. I looks like a national meeting. And it, uh, I, I thought that I knew, uh, well, I'd say 50% of what he talked about was brand new to me and I was appalled and it was just incredible. So even if you do not end up taking the, uh, a long talk, um, activation experience or one of the community conversations. I just, if there's one thing that I could leave the listening audience with it to, to uh, educate yourself just as a beginning, this video, A History of Race in America with Jeffrey Robinson was just phenomenal. 
Um, so um, so I'm, I am curious, since that was one of the videos that you shared, the, the three-day experience that I did, there was so much incredible content, and it was multimedia. Um, do you mind sharing how you all compiled the content that you now share through this three-day experience? Wow. Um, I think the, it's, it's interesting because, you know, when when this happened, this was this was very organic. So as I struggled with the George Floyd murder and I struggled with the Maud Arbor and I struggled with, with 2020 tech, quite frankly, um, these are just pieces that we led to me. Someone sent them to a link, me a link or, I, or the places that I was looking. I saw these things. So all the videos that you see um, probably over about a week's time of maybe from George Floyd being murdered probably within a week's time, I, I found just these different threads and these different pieces and these different articles that just spoke to what I was trying to say. Remember, I remember when I was developing this, I had three weeks to develop something for, you know, some of the most influential college basketball coaches in America. And I, so I felt like I had one shot to, to, to tell this story the right way. And so as I kind of, you know, labored in it and, 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 you know, listened to music and, and went back to old books and just kind of just sat there with it and talked to people. Um, these were just the resources that came to me and they, we put them in the slideshow and we started talking about. Sonny, can I add to that too? Because one thing that's important as black people, we, we've always had to navigate the mainstream media and, and navigate and look for information, even though when after Breonna Taylor was murdered, Ahmaud Arbery, George Floyd, there was a ton of discussion and information out there. But one of our, our way of communicating and keeping our history and sharing it and educating one another is we have to search often to the end of a news segment or, or, or a popular TV show, like a national show, like Good Morning America or Today Show or, or what have you. Um, so we actually have, are trained, if you want to say, if it's going to the barbershop, if it's talking to an older auntie or uncle, or if it's even online. If you think about why do we even have the NAACP Image Awards, why are we having to develop our award show, we're often left out. We have to find our content that's often developed by us or that speaks to us and compile it for educational purposes, for ourselves, for therapy for ourselves, for historical record, or to share with our kids to empower them and give them that, that self-esteem that often is stripped away. Yes. That's so, Kamal, you said something, if I could just add to that. I think, you know, we have to be truth seekers. I, I pride myself in, in questioning everything to seek the truth. And so I think the other thing is there becomes a network of truth seekers. When I think about um, people who have sent me things or just the Jeffrey Robinson video, I, I, that was sent to me. I had just had the conversation with the coach. I just realized that as much of a good person as he was, he didn't understand what I was talking about. As much as he listened, as much as it moved him to want to do something, there was such a disconnect from the two Americas that we were talking about that he didn't understand because the truth was never given to him. And so as a, as a child, you know, learning and reading different books that spoke truth, that they were supplemental to the, the lies of omission that were given in U.S. history. I, there's, there's, there's like, there's like, I'm also, there's a train, there's, there's a, there's a network. And so two days later, when that was sent to me, it wasn't the first time this friend of mine had sent me different things in times of need where it was like, just keep believing in the truth, bro. Like just, you know, and this, this, this sister shared this with me and was like, I just had this on my heart. Boom. She gave it to me just like she had done many other times. And so the, the truth seeks, I just believe at the time that we're in, this time that we live in, the truth is, the truth is here. It's, it's, it, 
you have to work hard to remain ignorant right now. The age of information is, is amongst us, right? And so the truth is yearning to be set free to bring change because once people know better, they do better. And that's why the truth is always suppressed, especially around this issue. And so I, I believe those things speak the truth about what we're talking about. Yes. And the content that you have compiled for this experience is it was just, I can't emphasize enough how uh, enlightening and and truly transformative it is. Um, one of the things that, Kyle, you said in our initial conversation, um, because we brought up George Floyd obviously was one of those moments where everyone was watching it and the names that that we can all look at chronologically, um, George Floyd, Amada Aubrey, Breonna Taylor. But you said something in our conversation that I love to hear you say just a little more about. You said it's the gap in between the names that no one wants to talk about. Can you say a little bit more about what you meant by that? We've consistently seen times in American history where the, the people, the conscience of America could rise up and be better than we are. And we see what happens when, whether you trace back to Emmett Till or the you know, four little girls in Birmingham to, to Rodney King being beaten, we can all point to moments where people have felt in their heart that this needs to get fixed and needs to get better. And then what happens in between is that those people that are not outraged by the continual violence or the continual injustice go right back to doing what they were doing and that just that's the strong, that's where, that's where, that's where, the, that's where the oppression gets stronger because it becomes harder to almost believe because I can just go back to being normal. And so it's those lulls in between the names that where people, where the, where the momentum is lost. And then the name, try, and then you need a name to revive something that should never have died, that should never have left the forefront of the American conscience. It's been the treatment of Africans since they've been in this country. So I, I think that's, that's, no more names is the type of idea. We shouldn't have to keep giving bodies for this to be a priority. We, we shouldn't have, we sh that should not be the, the game plan for progress. Yeah. So then at this point for a long talk, I want to share um, the, the purpose, the mission and your process and, and unpack that a little bit. Um, and I just, um, I'm looking at our time here. Um, are you both okay if we forego our break to continue our conversation? We, yeah, absolutely. We, we don't take a break. We don't take a break. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well said. Okay. So, um, uh, a long talk. Your purpose is to erase racism and dismantle systemic oppression in America. The mission is to energize, activate, and empower allies in the pursuit of our shared purpose. And the process is to engage in an ongoing conversation focused on truth understanding and problem solving leading to individual and cooperative activism. Um, and so you, you have called this an, an, an activation experience, an anti-racism activation experience that feels like a very deliberate um, choice of words here. It's not a webinar. It's not a class. It's not a video. It's how did you choose to, to, use an activation experience to describe it. And can you tell us a little bit about the purpose, the mission, and the process? Well, well if I may, Sonny, and apologies if this is not appropriate, but I would ask, I wanted to kind of flip the question and ask you ah. of someone who has been through this experience of and what level of activation, I guess, 
it's given you versus maybe a webinar or a class or a video. It deregulates, which just means no curse words. <laughs> so everything else. Um, so yeah, so Kyle, do you mind? Um, the question is uh, my experience with the activation experience? Right. Yes, okay. So um, I went in and I've done not, I, I, I have, um, as I said, I knew some of what Jeffrey Robinson shared in that one of the, the pieces of pre-work, that 80 minute video um, of some of the true history that was not taught in my classes growing up. In, um, and I, I grew up in a small town in East Texas and a public school. Um, but I don't think that my experience was necessarily that different because from talking to kids like my partner, for example, who is from Seattle, um, did not know half of this information either or more than that. Um, I, I, to begin to describe this, an experience is the accurate, accurate word for it. The, the pre-work and the homework is multimedia. There were playlists to listen to with songs that have been important. I think it was the, um, uh, oh gosh, what is the playlist called Kyle? I don't want to butcher. Uh, soundtrack of the struggle. Yes. Soundtrack of the struggle. So there was, there was music, there were videos, there were articles, um, excerpts from Martin Luther King's writings, um, the letter from the Birmingham jail. Um, there were so many things to digest, but the thing that I think made it so, um, approachable was that you did divide it up into three days and we spent, you know, a couple hours each day. There was that pre-work that really set the stage for what we would be talking about. The facilitators, we had two facilitators on each of our daily calls who were the most oh, wonderful, um, generous, uh, engaged facilitators. And we had, I think my class had like, I want to say 40 to 50 people that were all on zoom together, primarily white. There were several black, uh, participants or people of color. Um, it just, it, it was, it was immersive. And those three days there was, you know, I spent some time, we had to reflect when I say we had to, it was asked that we give reflections after each day. Um, each day had a different theme. Um, we had day one was unpacking your truth. Uh, day two was finding your voice. Day three was activating your activism. And the thing that I liked was it was a combination of learning and um, what's the word, uh, practice. So for those of us uh, as a white person, getting engaged in these conversations with another white person to perhaps re-educate them a little bit uh, or um, to, to maybe have uncomfortable confrontational conversations. We actually got to practice having these where one person played one part and then another person played the other part. It just was, there's no way you could come away from this. If you really did engage and you did the work, there is no way you could come away from it the same person in my experience. Uh, it was phenomenal. And so I, that was a really long-winded way because I want to hear more from you all than hearing me talk, but um, a, a long-winded way of saying, I can see why it was called an, or why you chose to call it an activation experience. Yes, definitely. Um, I, that was uh, your, your description. I know I can talk about this, but that your description was, was, was excellent. And I think, and I think you, you touched on all the different parts that um, that are important were important. I, the, the worst thing that could have happened for me was to do this and to give all my heart and soul for the lack of a better word, but just to put this much energy into to, 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 to providing this, this, this opportunity that if people didn't do something as a, as a, as a result of it, 
it would be even worse. Yeah. For me, as I looked at it, for me, from my perspective, I, this was my, this was me. This is the most American thing I've ever done. Hmm. This, this was me shooting my shot to say, you know what, if they really want to know, if they really want to know, I'm going to put it out here. So you're going to really know, and you're going to have to make a decision. And then I want it to be an experienced enough to not just make you an intellectual decision, but also an emotional decision, but also a human decision, a humanitarian decision to become involved and to have to do something. You know, one of our taglines is that, you know, and what's more than a tagline, it's a belief, it's a goal that we want to have an anti-racist at every dinner table in America. We mm -hmm. get one at every dinner table in America. We, we've, 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 we've done what we need to do because what that does is it just have someone puts their flag down and they need to be, there needs to be that experience in America where that becomes the norm. And so that's part of this, this whole process. And so for me, I was like, if we're going to do this, it has to, it has to work and it has to be bring about change. Not just, that was a great, that was a great thing I showed up for Kyle. That was, that was great. That wasn't, that wasn't going to be a better thing for me at the end of the day. Yeah, and that having an anti-racist at every dinner table, that is an ambitious goal. Um, but given how things have snowballed with the um, incredible testimonials that you have received anywhere from psychologists to these uh, head coaches at these big universities like Princeton or University of Pennsylvania, I, I think if anybody can do it, you all can um, in terms of spreading this far and wide. Uh, I wanted to ask though, Kyle or Kamal, whoever would like to answer this, and I hope this is an okay question. I did ask it when I was in the um, was in the experience, and I think Gabe answered. Um, Gabe is one of the team members at a long talk, who was one of our facilitators, um, just an incredible guy. But you know, from from what I have read so far, like what I have taken in information wise, this was before I took a long talk um, experience um, that. You know, it is not your job as black men to educate or black people um, to educate white folks like that is that it, it, the the information is out there. The history is there to be uncovered. Um, it is not necessarily healthy for your emotional, spiritual, energetic, physical well-being to have to do this work, so to speak, for us. Um, and so I'm curious if you could speak to that a little bit about why, you know, you chose to, to step forward and do this when it's not your job, it's our job. Wow, um, I'll, I'll start. And I know Kyle is like, I wanna go, I wanna go. So let me just make this really brief. <laughs> you know, for, for me, Ahmaud Arbery was murdered less than 45 minutes from my house. So when I go out and go walking or go for a jog every day, I literally have to tell my wife that I'm going walking or going for a jog just so she knows time constraints and is aware of where I am. And so think about that. And this is 2021 and we, I, I living in Georgia in a predominantly white neighborhood, my safety is still at risk every time I leave the house. And so we, we hear this and, and, and I'll tie this together for you because a lot of times this is, I believe part of the design to slow down the dismantling of white supremacy and to, and to erase racism is for people to think, well, it's not black people's job. No, it's not their job. But imagine this, if black people could have erased racism and, and, and dismantled white supremacy, they would have done so. So we need a collaborative effort from everybody. And so what happens is um, a lot of times I, I look at my, my mother, she told me, come on, be patient. Change is going to come. It might take generations, but each, each time it gets better. 
And then my mother's mother, my grandmother told her, be patient. I'm at, so everyone keeps telling them to be patient. It takes generations. But what if we had a collaborative effort where black, white, Asian, any nationality, was it was everyone against racist, period. We could dismantle this thing, which Kyle and I have a 15-year game plan to do this. But it involves all of us. And so for us, we don't take in the trauma when we're sharing and teaching and, and having this exchange. It's empowering because my grandmother didn't have an ally. She fought and felt racism every day when she was in Staten Island catching the ferry to go to Manhattan to work a night shift for all of her life, trying to fight. She didn't have any allies. So look, Sonny, we're meeting. Not only are we meeting, we're working together to, to erase this. So this is my take on it, is that it's not our responsibility, but it's empowering because the end is near. And our kids and the kids coming up, and or, or, or we have a chance right now to do what generations have tried to do, before and movements, but it never quite synced because that, well, it's not your responsibility. We don't want to, you know, everyone needs to take this. What if we did it together? What could we achieve? Kyle? Mm. Um, yeah, I think it's 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 interesting when you when you when you ask like why is people's my job, right? And I think it goes back before I was doing before I was doing this, I was teaching white people how to be better teachers. Right. So I've been teaching white people stuff for a long time. Like it's not, it wasn't a, a big thing. So in terms of the, a different content, but for this job, I, I don't, you know, I, I was hired by my kids, as I said in the beginning, my job is of a black father. So my job is I'm protecting my kids. You got to remember this began not from starting something to go spread around. It was to make sure that the people who were around my kids and the and kids, that I knew and that seen grow up as children were going to be in spaces where these people were going to be responsible for the knowledge uh, and information of what they need to do to, to protect my kids and all of our kids. So I'm doing this, you know, you know, I'm working for the benefit of black people, you know, through a rainbow coalition of anybody who's opposed to oppression and racism. So I don't look at it as teaching white people this. I mean, as you said, black people come on our calls and are educated and, and, and motivated and empowered by as much by as me, but also by as you showing up but for, for work. Right. And so for me, this is this is the same work that people, you know, it's, it's the same work we've been doing forever. Now it's just that white people are showing up for it. So I'm not going to stop teaching it to anybody and stop empowering people to oppose injustice. That's what we're, we're, we're having a if anything, we're experts of being able to have a conversation to get people to recognize and oppose injustice. Yes. And you have compiled, I know you mentioned the Rainbow Coalition, but just looking at your team that you have for a long talk, um, and, and for those out there listening, the website is alongtalk.com. Um, just so if you are interested from listening to the conversation today and participating in one of the community conversations, that three-day activation experience that I participated in myself, um, you can just go to alongtalk.com and there is a very clear link there to sign up or to find out more. But, um, you know, looking at your team that you have compiled to educate, um, also it looks like you've got, you know, different, there are not only the facilitators and educators there on your team, but you've got some other really heavy hitters. How did you bring together this team or, or put together these, this, these um, collaboration of all the folks on the website that I see the bios for? Uh, everyone on that website I've known for at least 25 years. Hmm. Those are, these are people that I've had these conversations with in different spaces. Many of which, I mean, obviously first, first and foremost, my parents, 
are, are definitely advisors and, and a piece of our team and a big piece of the, the beginnings of this, especially. Um, Kamal, you, like you said, they know our story from college. Uh, other folks I, that I started this, the charter school with in DC, um, but people, I haven't had to work with a stranger yet. Um, and so for me, you know, this was a easy, it, it, again, it's so organic. It was, it was, guess what? The people that, the conversations we've been having, I have some people that want to show up for us to keep having it. So let's work on making a really good conversation work. Mm, yeah. And you also mentioned, I, I wanted to ask about, this is actually, let me back up a little bit. One of the things um, from day two, and of course, day two, the theme was uh, finding your voice. Um, and one of my big takeaways was this phrase, division as progress. And it reminded me of something that, that you had said in our initial conversation, Kyle, um, that you said the truth isn't the bad part. It's the running from the discomfort around the truth that's really the bad part. So I'm comfortable. Um, I'm, 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 let me just ask, I'm curious, when you talk about division as progress, I know what it, what I took away with it, but I'm curious what you all uh, mean by that division as progress. So right now, the goal is to sort for people that want to be a part of a nation of anti-racists. We know that's not everybody right now. And so some people's 2020 is going to happen in 2025. Mm. You know, there was a moment that moved people to action, wherever it was, we, you know, when Rodney King was beaten, that could have been a moment then. We could, but but for whatever reason, this moment happened, and some people are are, are still not there, right? And so, when we talk about when we talk about division, it's really about who's ready to move. We're not going to keep arguing with people about why this needs to be a priority. Like that's not the space that we're in. We're not trying to convince racists not to be racist. That's not. I have no energy, no space, no patience for that argument. We're trying to expose them to it and help them make a decision. You think of it this way, Sonny, it's, it's a war on ignorance. Yeah. We're, we have a war on ignorance. There, we've been intentionally, we've been, it's been intentional that there's been ignorance around this on, for both black and white people uh, on this subject. And more importantly, being ignorant on how to talk about this subject. So our war on ignorance is to let everyone know what the truth is and if you see the truth and are moved to do something about it, then fine, come on. If you deny the truth or decide, I, I see the truth, but I still wanna be non-racist, that's fine too. We just need you to divide from the other people that we need to see so that we can keep moving in this direction, right? And so people have the right to remain racist. They, they do, they can part, extinction is part of the 15 year game plan. Some of them will just die off, right? <laughs> you know, that's, that's part of the game plan. But it's, it's just important for us to say that it's, we need people to make a choice. And that's where the division comes from. It, people talk about division, rate, you know, this, this, this conversation divides this country. This conversation only divides this country when it divides the white people in this country. The country is, this, this, it's always been two different Americas, always been two different conversations about race. What black people talk about and white people talk about. And when people talk about a an undivided country is when it's just when you don't hear black voices speaking up as much. That's when they say, oh, everything's fine because they're not talking about it. But when white people decide this isn't right, we need to push against the change. Oh, this is the most divisive time ever because it goes back to the only time when it was taken seriously and there was a war about it was when they decided that the country decided that that was that white supremacy could no longer be the way of, 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 the, of the world. And that's the space that we're in. That's that's the division 
recognize it for what it is and just make a decision so that you can choose one side or the other. You have that right, but that's that's progress for us. I don't want you to keep, I don't wanna to have to keep guessing. I don't wanna to have to keep guessing. Let's talk about it, just make your decision and I'm fine with it. Yeah, and Kamal, I don't wanna cut you off. It's a, do you have any thoughts on that? No, I mean, I think Kyle did a great job explaining it. And, and just Kyle often talks about um, racism and the continuum. Like if you imagine racism, you spell out the word and the M is someone who's racist at the very end or they, they're not sure. And there's someone who's moving over visually towards becoming anti-racist. What Kyle is looking and what we're looking to do is to build people with that mindset of anti-racism, not just saying, okay, I'm not racist or maybe I was a little racist and, and now I'm growing and working through it. But imagine if we have people who are working from an anti-racism perspective every day, they have a bubble around them. And no, you're not gonna be able to tell that racist joke on the job. No, I won't take that conversation at the pool or in the homeowners association or hiring practices. And, and I'm gonna use my voice and speak up. That's what Kyle is saying that imagine how much progress we can have if we have people operating from that space and they're dividing themselves from, I'm just sitting on the sidelines and I'm, I'm not doing anything. I'm just, you know, minding my business, but people who are speaking up, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> I was gonna say, Sonny, just so I, I can ask that. It also divides the people who, you know, a lot of times people think, well, it divides the person if they're a racist or, or the anti-racist or, you know, they're racist or not. What I'm also trying to divide is the non-racist, meaning decide if you're, because if you're a non-racist, if you're a knowing non-racist, then you're enabling racism. And that's a decision. And what I mean, if you're not doing anything about it, if you're not speaking up about it, even if you're not the one at your, you know, I, when we talk about an anti-racist at every dinner table, there's already one there. They just don't know what they don't know yet. Mm. I'm not trying to put, I'm not trying to go, there's someone, there's, there, there are people amongst the people that are saying it really loud that don't agree, but don't know how to disagree. They haven't learned how to disagree and not lose their whole family or get into an argument every single day with the uncle that they really love on every other subject, except this one. And they're just, yeah. so they're sitting in neutral. And we need to show them that that really them just that that's where the tipping point is. The tipping point is the, the the beginning of pushback that begins the conversation, that begins to educate, that begins to fight back on the ignorance. And so again, generationally, it's okay to fight back and say that's just not how it is, and we're not going to think like that anymore. And we're going to analyze everything that has been created by that type of thinking. And that's how the country moves. It's it's it's, it's I just last piece is that. I remember growing up when people could smoke cigarettes in restaurants and people could smoke cigarettes on airplanes. <laughs> and, and we used to allow them that freedom because it was important on whatever American ideal that Americans can do whatever they want, whenever they want. And so we allowed them to do that. And then they, and cause we thought it was just gonna hurt them. But then studies started to show that it killed us too. So literally allowing them that freedom killed us. And so we decided as a culture that, you know what, first of all, we're going to put a whole bunch of warnings. We're going to raise the prices. We're going to really try to get you to stop doing that. But if you choose to do that, you got to take it outside. You're no longer going to be able to do that around us. And because of that, we, we took cigarette smoke off airplanes now to little patches on tops of buildings in the rain where people have to go smoke. And we watch them and look at them differently. We can do the same thing with racism. We just have to decide that we're going to make them more uncomfortable with themselves than they're making us. And that takes courage. 
And that's where people, like the team of people that I put together who are absolutely 100% brave, my team is strong. I say that I've talked to them for 20, 30 years, but when I'm telling you, you can look at their credentials, you talked about them. These are, these are leaders in this. And so we are here to have this conversation. And then when people like you show up and people like BJ Dunn shows up and people like all these different spaces that we're working in, they show up to do the work with us. That's how the work is done. So that's how it goes to every dinner table because we move those folks that are good people and now use their platforms to take in and say, this needs to be the norm. Yes, it's really and that simple. It, it is. And a long talk, the experience gave me more tools, more facts, more information, and amped up my courage to do so by giving me those practical practice experiences. Uh, and I wanted to read um, one of the things that, that in this conversation around division as progress and, and um, that there are those people sitting there that just don't know either what to say or how to say it. And it's time to change that. Um, I want to read, this was one of the most meaningful uh, uh, homework assignments from the experience. And this is an excerpt from a letter from a Birmingham jail. And I'll just, um, I'll read the full quote here. And then um, I've got a couple of follow-up questions. Okay, so the excerpt begins, I must make two honest confessions to you, my Christian and Jewish brothers. First, I must confess that over the past few years, I have been gravely disappointed with the white moderate. I have almost reached the regrettable conclusion that the Negro's great stumbling block in his stride toward freedom is not the white citizen's counselor or the Ku Klux Klanner, but the white moderate, who is more devoted to order than to justice, who prefers who prefers a negative peace, which is the absence of tension, to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice, who constantly says, I agree with you in the goal you seek, but I cannot agree with your methods of direct action, who paternalistically believes he can set the timetable for another man's freedom, who lives by a mythical concept of time and who constantly advises the Negro to wait for a more convenient season, Shallow understanding from people of goodwill is more frustrating than absolute misunderstanding from people of ill will. Lukewarm acceptance is much more bewildering than outright rejection. And I just, I loved this concept of negative peace being, you know, absence of tension versus positive peace, the presence of justice. And I just, I, I wondered um, if you could speak to that a little bit, this idea of negative peace versus positive peace. You know, I'll use, first of all, that's one of those, that's one of the Dr. King quotes that doesn't get pulled out. You know, there, there are particular ones that get pulled out for your history or for his birthday. And that's not one, but there's even one that even I think explains that even, even more precisely. And it's simple as the ultimate tragedy. The ultimate tragedy is not the oppression and cruelty by the bad people, but the silence over that by the good people. A lot of things had happened to Dr. King. A lot of things were happening. He'd been hit by bricks, he'd been stabbed. But he said, above all that, the ultimate tragedy is that the good people aren't saying anything about it and allowing this. And that's for the people that let him down, whether it was the church or the move, whatever people that were letting him down that he believed were gonna, that he was sticking his neck out to fight for, those people did not fight for him. Mm. And so when we talk about this, this, and, and that's the, it's the ultimate tragedy because it's the missing link. When white people step up to the front, things get done. Yeah. 
And I will just share a couple of final quotes here. This is from BJ Dwayne. This is Kyle, your son's basketball coach who really stepped up. Um, and I'm just saying this, I, these quotes landed with me and they're, they, they, I think piggyback well on what you just said, Kyle. Um, but I just wanted to, to share these as we were bringing the show to a close for any white listeners out there um, who like me, I think have been in much more comfortable with negative peace than positive peace. And I, um, that's not a comfortable position anymore. Um, and so BJ Dwayne, who again, Kyle's son's basketball coach, silence leaves a lot of room for interpretation. So are you being silent? Um, BJ says, if I'm neutral, what kind of footprint does that leave? So I ask you out there, what kind of footprint are you leaving? And uh, finally, our white privilege allows us to check in and check out. Um, yeah, that checking out is an option for us as white people. It is not an option for people of color. Um, so um, I'll just leave it there for those quotes from BJ and that we've got like a minute left. Um, Kyle and Kamal, thank you so much for being here today. Um, any final words as we bring the show to a close? Kamal, well, do you have anything? I'll let you take it. Yeah. I was just going to say thank you for being, having us on, but also being a part of the community. And we look forward to seeing you at an upcoming book bouncer movie mixer and definitely in the POC with us. Um, so definitely as, as your listeners understand that Sunny is about it. She's walking the walk, not just talking to talk. And we appreciate her. And that's how West Coast Connect. We got your back. I want you to be confident because the nation is behind you. All right. I, I did want to say, too, it doesn't end that a long talk. After our right. three days, Sunny, as you know, we have movie discussions, book discussions once a month. We just finished um, the US, United States versus Billy Holiday. We have a 12-month conversation, the pillars of change, that people can plug into at their leisure. So we, yeah. we have a system, a curriculum that's there, and we are building a nation of anti-racists. So yeah. it, it begins at the last day of a long talk. Thank you for mentioning that, Kamal. Um, and, and with that, we are at the end of our hour. I have been joined today by Kyle Williams and Kamal Carter, uh, founders of A Long Talk. Um, the website is alongtalk.com, um, and you can participate in one of the community conversations. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Have a great day, and I'll see you next week. <laughs>